Welcome to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Jenna, and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institution. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Carlos Martinez and Dr. Paulina Lay, who are residents at University of South Carolina Prisma Health in Columbia, South Carolina. Carlos is a fourth-year resident. He's originally from Houston, Texas. He went to undergrad at Trinity University and medical school at Texas Tech University. His academic interests include patient outcomes, barriers to care, advocacy, hand, and microsurgery. Paulina is a second-year resident. She's originally from Orlando, Florida. She went to undergrad at the University of Central Florida and medical school at the University of Virginia. Her academic interests include craniofacial, micro, medical education, and curriculum development. Carlos, Paulina, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. So I'd love to start by hearing a broad overview about your program at the University of South Carolina. Pretty much we only have an integrated program structure, and then we have one resident per year. And it's a really close-knit group of residents and attendings. We have a one-to-one resident-to-faculty ratio. So oftentimes, we'll commonly follow the apprenticeship model where you're following one attending at a time per month, and you're following their patients. When it comes to general day-to-day activities and rounding, we round as a team and see patients as a team and have formal chiefs that manage the service. But when you're with the OR and the attending, you're doing things by yourself. We get a fair amount of plastics experience in the first couple of years. On average, we get about three months, and then it slowly adds up until you're purely on plastic surgery type rotations. And those would include oculoplastics and hand surgery with orthopedics, as well as some aesthetic rotations. Our main site is a county hospital. So Prisma Health and University of South Carolina School of Medicine have a partnership. And Prisma Health is the level one trauma facility in this region of South Carolina. We see a wide variety of penetrating and blunt trauma. We also get a wide variety of patients from all across the state because we're centrally located. So that is a good thing for us. We also have a level two uh, pediatric hospital here that's pretty active. And we also rotated some of the other community hospitals that are affiliated with the Prisma Health Umbrella. Basically, we spend time pretty much at three main sites around um, Columbia. You mainly spend time at one hospital, and you only have to take call at that one hospital, though. Anything emergent will get transferred to our main uh, level one trauma center, so it's not like you have to drive around on call or anything like that. And then in terms of what our call structure is like, so we do take probably about, let's say, two weeks of facial trauma at this yeah. point, a month. And then in terms of hand call, we split that with ortho. But we right now only take five nights a month because we're a small program. And so they have a lot more manpower than us at this point. We might... we are talking about definitely increasing that given that we have more attending support now as well. This program is a relatively new program. It started four years ago, yeah. Since then, the program has always been changing and evolving, I think, for the better. We're really happy here. When we take hand call, to add with Pauline was saying, we do mid-forearm distal, which is a nice advantage. We get to work with distal radius, TFCC injuries. And regarding hand call, Our attendings, thankfully, are trained very well on hand, so we do a lot of peripheral nerve and we'll do a lot of complex soft tissue reconstruction 
I know some other places, ortho departments do their own thing, but here we get to take part in those complex cases, including the bony reconstruction, which is really nice. Yeah. So even if we only take five days of hand call, we're always on what we call a hand vascular call. So ortho will defer to us if there is a digital amputation or anything like that, or radial arteries out, or there's a very obvious nerve injury, they'll pretty much automatically defer to us. And so we end up getting calls for the whole month about that as well. And regarding facial trauma, there are actually no ENT residents or OMFS residents at this hospital. And since it's a hybrid academic and prior practice model here, we share call time with private practice ENTs. But because they don't have any inpatient, large inpatient service, because they have their own private offices, a lot of the complex craniofacial reconstructions, Laforts, will just get deferred to us. So it's nice when they'll text our craniofacial attendant, like, hey, I have this complex Lafort 3 with this blasted mandible. Can you take care of it? And he said, and he'll say, sure. So that's really a nice part of our gig. We didn't have to wake up for that call, yeah. but we get to do the cool case. So that was a fabulous big picture overview and also started to get down into some of the details. You mentioned some of the different off-service rotations in the earlier years. Can you just let me know the breakdown like per year, like how many months you do off-service and a little bit more about the experiences, like how you're treated when you're on those services? Some of the off-service rotations include general surgery, surgical oncology, breast surgery, vascular, working with the private practice ENTs, neurosurgery, orthotrauma, stachyo critical care. These are all basic rotations that are required by the ACGME. So our attendings, are they do a good job of balancing them. I'll tell you, when I was an intern, I had a lot more off-service rotations than the current intern, which I'm pretty jealous about. But I'm also glad things are moving in that direction because when you're starting out, our attendings really value us to learn from the other disciplines integrated in our practice. But as plastic surgery has evolved, it's become more and more focused. So we are transitioned back home per se earlier. With regards to we're treated, we are, when we're on the service with the other residents in general surgery and ortho, we're part of the team. We work with them. We follow into their own structure. However, the chiefs run it or the attendings. And it's the operative ratio actually is pretty good too. Like when I was on vascular, they vascular calls high. You would frequently operate by yourself when attending because there are no vascular fellows here. I mean, the same with the other services. You're frequently by yourself when attending, even as an intern or with one senior resident. So you two will just do the cases. The junior operative experience is very great, even off service. So you're not treated differently, like too, too differently when you're off service versus on plastics because this hospital and the pro, all the surgical programs heavily emphasize having early operative experience and it's like real operative experience too. Like I was already under the microscope as an intern suturing a nerve and helping with the anastomosis. Other places I've been to, you don't have that real early operative experience. If you are under the microscope, it'll probably be as a second year and you're probably just watching. What my experience has been at other programs and ways and whatnot, but this is real. It's just you and the attendings get to really do all of it as the intern, junior resident. And it is graduated. Like you're not just thrown in starting off like, hey, do this anastomosis or else the flap dies. You are given levels of graduate autonomy. And it's really because of the apprenticeship model and the fact that you work with these attendings so closely and develop these relationships, they can gauge your experience early on. 
and we'll give you feedback on it. So it's been really good for all of us, I think, and we all love it. With that apprenticeship model, how much time do you usually spend with each attending? A month at a time. When they're in clinic, we're in clinic with them. When they're in the OR, we're in the OR with them. Aside from call, if they have to go in and we're not on call that night, we don't go in. And then the OR attendings are really good about respecting those boundaries too. So let's say one of us is on a rotation where there isn't a as heavy operative week as though you're on the microsurgery rotation. You're not expected to go into the micro case to close the belly or something. All of us as residents, we agree that when you're not with that person, you need to have that time for yourself. You need to go home and study because otherwise it become too much just for everyone to stay up closing things. And plus you have your own responsibility towards the attending services because you're the point person. So like when they call you, you're booking cases, you're thrown in early to do that. And I will say we have mid-levels that help us out as well. When we started out this program, there were no mid-levels. And now it's great because we're in the OR, they will help fill consults. And then they'll also let, they're very good about letting the residents know, hey, there's a consult. What would you guys like to do? And so we as a team will still get to develop a plan and talk to the attending. Obviously, it's something urgent. There are hierarchies that have to be followed through and things are taken care of expeditiously. But most of the time, it's really nice that we have the ability to still critically think and still critically be a part of training. So it's a nice balance of efficiency and education. Without our two mid-levels, Courtney and Caroline, they're amazing. As juniors, you wouldn't probably be, you'd probably be in and out of the OR too much, basically not being able to stay scrubbed into cases because we're a small program. So it's, you get a floor call that you have to attend to right away or anything like that. You would have to scrub out right away. And because of that, you can see the case all the way through, have that really good operative experience with that one-on-one time with the attending and really see the case from start to finish because we have that level support. When we are at conferences and all of us have to go, they'll take call for us too. Do they help in the OR at all as well, or it's more clinic and floor stuff? They'll help with unscrubbed cases because obviously our one-to-one ratio of six core attendings, we have six residents, not all six of us are on service at a time. So some attendings cases actually do go uncovered and we have such a high caseload that we do actually need the mid-levels to cover them sometimes, but they'll never compete with us for procedures. That's a nice thing here. We're not worried that, oh, there's a mid-level here where we get to do anything. No, it's like, all right, what do you guys need so this case can go faster so you guys can go home? It's really nice. And do you know currently what's the status in terms of one, two, and three, how many months you get on plastics in those first three years? First year, you get three months. Second year, you also get three months. Third year, you get five months now. And then four through six, obviously, you'll be on classes. And so it sounds like four, five, and six, you end up spending two months a year with each attending, basically, but not back to back. Yeah, exactly. Are there any opportunities for electives in the later years, either like an opportunity where you could actually go to a different institution or a time where you'd pick to work with another attending again or another service again? As of now, our, during our sixth year, you can pick, you can rotate with um, other places or even go with another attending. Our current chief, he's going into hand surgery uh, next year, so he wants some extra time working with our hand attending, Dr. Majazic, and also the ortho chief hand attending, Dr. Walsh. So he's getting rotate with both of them more often. I'm not sure what 
Aziz wants to do, but I think he might be planning on going somewhere else to do something or maybe having more time with one of our private practice attendings. But our program director is flexible, Dr. Chen. So no one has gone away from the institution yet, but you think that might be a possibility if someone wants to? Yeah, for sure. I, I think our research months can be pretty flexible in what we do with it. I personally, I am leaning towards craniofacial. I think if I like wanted to do something at CHOP, Dr. Chen would absolutely let me spend a month there during one of my research months. Speaking of research, could you tell me about the research experience, both in terms of expectations and opportunities? Honestly, the research expectation, it's do what you can do and do what you're interested in. There is some very low requirement by the ACGME in general about having a QI project for the entirety of residency. But Dr. Chen really wants to push us and make us do one QI project a year because we have developed this journal for our hospital and just our academic center in general to publish QI projects. That way we can just get these kind of quote unquote easier publications. And so that way we can have something to show for our work for the QI projects. Because a lot of the times your QI projects don't end up getting published in anything. So this way we can actually cite it on our resumes. And in addition, I don't know actually the true research requirement because we all are going to exceed that. I think the very bare minimum is you have to submit a publication and you don't even have to be first author on it. But like for us, it's we have... All of us have so many projects going on that we're first author on and helping each other out. Yeah. And One thing I'll say that we're very proud of is as we've gotten more time as a residency program, we've been able to present and both posters and presentations at our regional uh, meetings, so the Southeast Society of Plastic Surgery, and we'll often help each other out on those presentations or posters. And if you present, you actually get an easier segue into publishing in journals like the Annals or PRS. I will say that there are bench opportunities available to you here, but I think most of us really just prefer doing clinical work just because it's yeah. like things that we're mostly. And if you wanted to do bench work, Dr. Friedman has some connections yeah. with the university here because he's been a while, here a while, but it's not pushed per se that you have to do some form of bench work or take a year off and do some sort of bench work. Yeah, Dr. Friedman, he's an MD, PhD. Uh, I think research is honestly his truest passion. He knows how to get everything published for you and how to push things and basically moving all your projects forward, asking the right kind of questions, developing research ideas. That's all him. And as he starts to pull away from his clinical duties, he's ramping up his research still. <laughs> and that's the nice thing too, is that we have somebody who is very well versed with that. And he was part of the Southeastern committee as well and in charge of selecting a lot of that abstracts posters and understanding what that process is like. And when you say research months, what did you mean by that? So during a month out of our fourth year, we are assigned to research. So that time is dedicated to us to wrap up existing projects or do other or start new projects. So and the nice thing is like our attendings, part of your deal on research is a research president. That's your expectation. You're not required to cover extra cases. You're not required to take extra call. And it's really nice that you have that time to spend and take care of the things you have to do. We also have quarterly research meetings where during conference during two hours, 
we update everybody and say, hey, this is what needs to happen to have this project move forward. We have med students that attend to and be like, hey, if you would like to help us with this project, come on board and just reconvene about where all of our research projects are at and get organized and spitball new ideas and try to move along all our other projects so that way nothing stays stagnant either. So there's accountability for that, which is good. What about support once you're ready to present? Oh, they throw money at you. If you're pres- I'm, I'm not even kidding. If you're presenting or having a poster, they will pay for your lodging and your travel. There. Yeah. And yeah, and before pretty much every didactic, before a big conference that a lot of us are presenting at, they'll make us practice and yeah. um, all that stuff too. So It's really nice. And that's for posters or podium presentations? I think the, the nice thing is like having a, I think Prisma Health, because they, it was two health systems that merged together in South Carolina initially. I think part of their goal for the residency programs as a whole is to encourage research and encourage getting their name out there. So they're more than happy to, to give the GME folks a lot of ca- extra cash to help. And the nice thing is too, some of us are on ASPS committees. And so we get to have funding to go to those committees meetings, yeah. which is nice. They're really good about encouraging that. And I think as residents, we all val- we all agree that you know, we all agree with critical work. We also value each other's time outside of work. And we, as a whole group, we are very supportive. And so that also means like if one of us has to go to a meeting, the other person will pick up extra call or we'll schedule call around that. How about any opportunities for global rotations or either like longer term rotations or shorter term mission trips? There isn't anything official per se. So like I'll, so for my research month, I went to a town in Kenya called Eldoret. And the reason I did that is because my wife is a general surgery resident on her research month at another program. And so my attendings were like, you can go spend time with her. So for a month, I did research, rotate at the hospital. Obviously, I did a lot of the grunt work myself, asking permission to rotate with the plastics department or ortho hand departments there and got that experience. I think Dr. Chen in the future wants to encourage something, but obviously I think given COVID, unfortunately, a lot of those priorities might have been shifted away to other things. But Dr. Chen is very reasonable to the point where like, if you find something that you're passionate about and you demonstrate that why you want to do it and you've put some groundwork in, they'll definitely be encouraging for that. Or I'd imagine maybe if you had a vacation week at another point and you were able to set something up. The nice thing is there is no pressure to take your vacation week to do research or extra things. When you're on vacation, you're on vacation. And I think you mentioned a little bit about working with some local private practice surgeons. So can you talk a little bit about the cosmetic experience in terms of when you start to get that? And then also if you have anything like a resident cosmetic clinic. So yeah, now we have quite a few attendings that do mostly aesthetics in the community. During your earlier years, what would happen is Dr. Chen, because he's friends with them, they'll text him the schedules of certain cases. And if you're, let's say, on a light week on plastics or you're and they'll and there's an attending that's doing, like, say, a facelift or a rhino, then they'll tell you he'll tell you go and rotate with him for the day, him or her for the day. When you get to your PGY uh, four and five year, that's when you are have dedicated months long span with them. So they'll have a wide variety of practices, including your standard facelifts, rhinos. Augs, um, liposuction, tummy tucks, etc. And it's really nice because you get to not only learn their operative techniques, but you get to see 
a glimpse of their practice, how they manage things, their preoperative, postoperative care, and all of the nitty gritty things that are like outside of what are you going to do in the OR? And it extends more to just also post-op care. I'm proud to say that this is the first year we've had our resident cosmetic clinic. It's for the senior residents. So the entirety of PGY six year and the second half of PGY five. So with the resident cosmetic clinic, you see your own patient, you're going to have an attending that will proctor you. And depending on who is available, it can be either attendings that can be around to do the case with you. And that's really nice because you're not just thrown in by yourself. You're with supported with somebody. The point is for you to experience what it's like to have your own patient. And also you're guided by somebody that will also make sure that you'll have safe outcomes, which is very important in education as well. And that's run by one of the private practice doctors that we work with. He actually lets us use his office space. He doesn't use it on Wednesdays, basically. And so essentially you are using his office when he's not, you know, technically using that space at all. And so that's the, and his scheduler and everybody, the person who does all his, the quotes and everything, like it basically just goes to you. So it's like you literally running his practice for that day. And he'll be by to help you. And obviously he'll scrub into the case and be in the corner if you need him or anything like that. And it's also nice because the private practice guys, they act like they're one of our faculty as and they attend our didactics and everything too. Very close part of our education, which is really nice. And is there experiences with like injectables clinic? Carlos and I actually have that tomorrow. Everyone loves the free Botox. (laughs) (laughs) So essentially... The last week of the month, we have one day with one of our attendings who runs the injectables clinic. You schedule your own patients. Usually you do about two to three patients and basically drop Botox, mix it up yourself, tell your attending what you want to do, your whole plan, and go at it. It's a healthy mix of people that you... Sometimes your friends will be there too, your family members, or even those that you just know socially in the hospital. So it's a good experience that you can work with people that you're comfortable with. And the nice thing is like their support, let's say you want to have extra touch-ups, you're in contact with your patients and they're like your patients, which is really nice. Yeah. So you develop ownership really quickly. And you start doing injectables clinic, your intern year. So it's all the way through up until your fifth year because you start transitioning to the actual resident cosmetic clinic. Last note on that, in the fifth and sixth year, how many dedicated months per year do you have on cosmetic? Seven. Seven in total? Yeah, seven in total. Across the two years? Yes. And do you get any experience with gender affirmation surgery? Oh, yeah. Actually, our newest attending who just joined us a couple months ago, Dr. Nikki Burrish, she is transgender fellowship trained out of Mount Sinai, and we just actually had our first transgender facial affirmation surgery, which is pretty cool. And we're going to start doing bottom surgery soon. We've already been doing top surgery for years with our other attendings. And so that's starting. We're basically ramping up um, our trans clinic and having an interdisciplinary approach to our transgender patients as well. We're going to get plenty of experience with that. How would you say like the patient populations differ at some of the different sites you work at? Our main hospital is a level one trauma center. So initially in the trauma patients, you do see a lot of indigent patients because it's the safety net hospital of the region. So a lot of places will transfer patients to us. Pete's hospital, it's 
a very good peds hospital. The only thing that I will say that they don't do there physically is pediatric cardiac surgery, and then those patients will get sent for the cardiac surgery to MUSC, which is another, which is the other academic medical center in the state. But then they'll come back for the other stuff. At our other hospitals, because of their prior practice, you get a nice mix of affluent clientele or even those that will save up money to pay for the surgeries. So I'd say we'll probably get a good mix. Most of the patient population we see are Caucasian, African-American, with the occasional Latino. And then because of the uh, transgender clinic has been really picking up with the help of ID and or infectious disease and internal medicine, we're seeing a lot more of those patients in the hospital themselves. So it's nice to see them, they get recognized for the care that they need. But I think it's a pretty big deal, especially in the region we're in. What area of plastic surgery would you say you come out with the strongest experience in upon graduation? Micro. (laughs) Our our chief actually made a remark. He was like, I think I've logged more deeps than I have breast reductions, which is weird. (laughs) We do a lot of micro, a lot of hand micro as well. So that's something that you will definitely not be weak in coming out of it. And especially since you're getting under the scope as an intern already. So Part of the reason we get a lot of micro is because... Us and the folks at MUSC are the only ones in the state that have a really large micro program. There are a couple of private practice docs that do micro, but as far as large academic medical centers, we do the micro here. And we do the also the prosthetic breast reconstruction and mainly microsurgery reconstruction for the breast, so deep flaps, trams, occasional pap. And then the other thing is because of the complex cases, we'll do lower extremity reconstruction, upper extremity reconstruction, and also the nice thing is because or ENT residents, but there are ENT attendings that will still do the resections. We will do the microsurgery for those resections. We've done quite a few free fibulas for um, manual reconstruction. We'll do maxillary reconstruction, flaps, real forearms, ALTs for layering esophageal reconstruction. So it's nice that we can be a one-stop shop for a lot of those things. And I think our location and the, the practice and the patient population affords us the luxury to be able to have a diverse patient population to take care of. We also do quite a bit of PEDS micro when necessary. And how would you improve your program? We have such a <laughs> large case volume, it would be great to have another resident. Um, yes. Because I mean, like we have so many cool cases, I can't believe some of the stuff that goes unscrubbed because it's like you're picking and choosing between amazing cases when your six attendings operating and we have our plastics residents, but then we have some of course, like general surgery, off-service ortho interns that rotate with us. And I think it would just be, it would be nicer on us and obviously on our call schedule just because we're inherently a smaller program to have another resident. And that actually might be remedied pretty soon because Dr. Chen has already is already actively applying for that spot. And he said it might happen in two years or so. And are there any other particularly awesome perks you'd like to share? Yeah, we're very lucky here. Our food stipend is 300 a month, and that's including with an employee discount, using it in the cafeteria or at Starbucks, and you end up with so much money left over at the end of the month. Everybody's scrambling to fill their pantries up um, with random stuff to spend all their money. And in addition, the surgery residents actually get a free lunch delivered to the surgery lounge every single day because the thought there is if you don't have time to run down to the cafeteria between cases, there's food available for you so you don't have to starve. In addition, we get $1,000 of academic money 
a year. That includes anything from books to things you can justify. I need a new phone because I can't take call without a new phone. A laptop, any other extra things you want that you can just justify as being academic money. And then your loops are also completely paid for. You get your loops starting your intern year, and that's not part of your $1,000. And Parking is free, and it's also like the garage is right next to the hospital, so... You can literally roll up to the third floor and then in two minutes you're in the lounge. There's also just a general resident lounge down the um, hall from our call rooms that's always completely stocked to the brim with uh, food, snacks, and other frozen foods that you might need if uh, yeah. the cafeteria is closed at 3 a.m. or something like that. Very well taken care of. And they completely play for step three and New World separately from your $1,000 as well. We also get uh, swag every year. We have we got our custom jackets, our yeah. team jackets this year as well. So I know you mentioned Dr. Chen a few times, so I'd love to hear about your program leadership. Our current chairman, Dr. Freeman, is going to be retiring soon. And our new chairman is Dr. Nam. He is, was a microsurgeon at Shock Trauma. During the process where they were looking at new division leaders, we actually, a lot of the residents actually got to meet with the various candidates. And we're excited for what Dr. Nam is going to bring to the program. He's another microsurgeon, does a lot of complex facial trauma reconstruction and wound reconstruction. So that'd be really nice. Dr. Freeman, as we talked about before, he's big into research. He is a really awesome person. We just celebrated his 75th birthday for him. <laughs> and it was really nice. Like all the staff just got him a cake. He's a really nice guy. We love him. Dr. Chen is exactly who you would want to be your program yes. director. He makes sure all of his I's are dotted and T's are crossed, making sure that everything is in order for you to make sure that the program will always forever stay accredited and always is looking to improve things for you. So he'll always have sit-down meetings with you, especially it's actually more frequent during your intern year just to make sure you're okay because it's a big transition. So literally a month in, our, he already asked our intern to sit down with him a month in and then a couple months in after that. He's always trying to improve our program because it's a new program. And our rotations have changed so much from when Carlos was an intern to when I did intern year because of that and the Mm -hmm. feedback he's gotten. So I think he's exactly who you want to be as your program director. And... They're all very approachable. You can literally text them at any time of the day. Sometimes I think of a research idea at 10 p.m. and I literally just text Dr. Chen and he like responds and it's not a big deal. They wouldn't be here if they didn't want to teach residents. They have great practices. Like they're very happy in their practices. But part of the reason they're doing that here is because they want to educate. And it's nice having that support from faculty members. Do you have any specific examples of times when you brought something up to? Dr. Chen or Dr. Friedman and then saw how a change was instituted? A most recent example, we used to go to the VA in Columbia. Part of that was with general surgery, but because the general surgery staff went through some transitioning, there wasn't much operative volume. So a lot of times you didn't have as much opportunity to be in the OR and to get more out of it. And so since it was a consistent theme for the couple of years that some of the residents would rotate there, Dr. Chen you know, decided I'd rather have you guys rotate with other general surgeons. And that's where some of the rotations filled in. 
We got pulled from the VA completely. We used to have VA rotations on our first, second, and third year. So now we're not going to the VA at all anymore. So I do not have to go my this year or next year. And our intern will never have to experience the VA either. Another part of the program that he would change is you know, just how we would do didactics. You know, as a new program, you know, there's a lot of a lot of transition, a lot of changes that develop. And so we've really worked with our attendings to figure out a good balance between learning stuff needed for in-service, but also learning practical things that you need to become plastic surgeons. So there's a really good balance, things that we have to work on. And now I guess part of didactics, we as residents will do more, some more lectures, participate and actually give some of the lectures, but those lectures are always under the purview of the attendings. They're not just going to say, hey, give a lecture, and then we'll critique you at the lecture. They'll say, give us the lecture, or they'll even give us some of their old slides, and then we'll adapt it and edit it. So you do get more ownership of your curriculum, which is really nice. And we also requested more like hands-on stuff because we really like our anatomy lab curriculum. Essentially go and did uh, dissections for six weeks in a row for didactics once a week. And got to just do every flap on that cadaver, essentially. And then splinting workshop, micro lab. And we're like, hey, we want more of that. And so basically he was like, okay, we can do it more often. Instead of having it every one and a half years, we can do anatomy lab once a year. And we can do micro lab maybe twice a year instead of just once a year. And so they're really good about listening to what we, we want for our education. Have any residents fully graduated from your program or not quite yet? This is his last year. He matched into a hand fellowship already. So we've proven that we can match people into fellowships. He'll be our first one. And uh, he's already met all of his case volumes before he even hits his PGY6 year. So we've proven that we have the case volume and we'll meet all the requirements for um, everything and that he can match. And how would you say your program promotes diversity and inclusion and or helps you develop into a culturally competent resident? So when they promote diversity and they both they promote diversity in patient care and also cultural competence. And it's through, I think, the shared experiences of our attendings and their backgrounds that allow us to do that. Like Dr. Gilstrap trained in Pennsylvania and then in California. Dr. Chen trained, was from New York, trained in Tennessee and then Philly and other attendings worked in heavily in the transgender population, such as Dr. Bursch, Dr. Gilstrap, and Dr. Majazik is also from yeah. Bosnia. And so based on the diverse cultural backgrounds of our attendings, when they choose residents, they want people that they can work with and they want people that they enjoy. And they also want people that will promote the practice and promote the program into being a place where people are welcome, will take care of all. The School of Medicine and the Prisma Health They have part of the GME. They have programs that encourage diversity and do cultural sensitivity training, working with foreign language patients, working with those that have hearing disabilities or seeing disabilities. They have those available and they give us the resources to do that. And they also are doing a lot of work with the LGBTQ population as well. As a member of the LGBT (laughs) community, I have seen a lot of strides our plastics program has made on hospital, like the impact we made on the hospital in terms of we're doing QI projects actually to improve the care of trans patients Mm -hmm. and just 
educating the hospital in general because I think inherently when you work with the plastics patient population, it's way more diverse than a lot of other patient populations for other specialties. We see every age from infants to old people to every race and every different socioeconomic background, cosmetic patients versus the trauma patient that comes in. And so I think just inherently because of that, I think we've, as a group, have always encouraged a lot of this in not only didactics, but just whenever we're hanging out and doing journal clubs even and stuff like that, we talk about this and then try to impart that just to the rest of the hospital system. When we go on our retreats, Dr. Chen will give us tasks. A couple of years ago, it was a escape room, and then this year it was canoeing. And the nice thing is afterwards, he'd give us a pamphlet and he'd you know, give us a, here's some money, go eat somewhere and go and talk about these things. And part of the questions he would ask is how to improve the program, how to improve the, not just the didactics and caseload, but also how to improve the work environment so it's accepting of all. And I think our leadership really does a good job of doing that. I'm very happy with that. And it's something that it's not forced. It's just naturally their personality. And I, we're both very lucky to be in a place like that. So now I'd love to hear a little bit about the relationships amongst the residents. So the vibe, the culture, the camaraderie. Seems like you guys like to hang out. Yeah. This is all force. <laughs> We're like different, but also we all get along. So Tarek, like him and his wife, Hata, they're just, they're so cool to hang out with. Hata is like from Bosnia. Like when we go to her house, she likes to have this nice spread. His thing is like lattes and latte art. Like the dude that you see the pictures of when he started and what he is now. It's amazing. Riley likes to work on cars. (laughs) So it's funny just hearing it because sometimes he's from uh, Ohio and then you live in Florida for a while. So he's, yeah, I like to build cars and work on cars and stuff. I'll go out and get Indian food and like Korean food in town and just hang out. It's fun spending time with Aziz's family. Obviously, Pauline and I like to hang out together as well. We'll go eat somewhere. COVID obviously tanked a lot of stuff. We'll still eat each other's houses. Emily and her boyfriend are fun to hang out with. Emily's our intern. She's fun to hang out with. And she's she's from Memphis. So it was fun like hearing about where she grew up and then her trying the barbecue here, which like South Carolina barbecue, I'll tell you, it's like different. You know, growing up in Texas, you, know, you have a ketchup-based sauce, but here it's like vinegar-based and mustard-based. It's, I will say I, the brisket's way better in Texas. They do some good stuff here, too. Inherently, just being only six people, yeah. you're, you're going to spend a lot of time with each other. And we, we're very close. We're just like a family. Yeah, sometimes we bicker and we fight. But obviously, we just make up, even without saying sorry. And we just go on. And we hang out a ton outside of work. The past couple months, we've probably been to almost nearly every trivia night at a certain brewery. We got third place one time with only a team of three of us and beat 10 ob residents, so we were happy about that. Yeah, and every uh, year, the attendings have a big uh, party at the beginning of the year. Friedman usually does a holiday party that was canceled last year because of COVID, and we'll hang out with our attendings, too, outside of here. They've done karaoke with the attendings in the past oh God, before COVID. So They've done axe throwing with Dr. Gilstrap. <laughs> so it's a very tight group. 
And so basically, if you match here, you're essentially you're gaining a, a big family. So, Does your program have any experience with international medical graduates or otherwise like non-traditional residents? Did some spots get backfilled in your program, for example? Yes. Riley and Aziz both came from uh, general surgery here. So Riley was a PGY-3. He finished PGY-3 here and then started again as a PGY-3 in plastic surgery. And then Aziz was actually a practicing general surgeon in Syria. And then he came to the U.S. and then got into the program and then saw the opportunity to go to plastic surgery. And then he jumped ship to do that. Our program attendings, like, they'll look at any and all applicants. The hospital is pretty open to visa requirements. And like their GME has promoted that as well here. And the rest of us, though, afterwards have been like your typical, like, integrated residents. And in a couple words, what are the qualities of a resident who would fit well in your program? I just think somebody who is humble and willing to work hard. And in a small program, you're going to have a little bit more call than if you were at a bigger program. And someone who's honest and that you can just trust and rely on yeah. um, as well. So like, we'll be part of the yeah. family. Yeah, approachable, easy to get along with. And I know we talked to how, about how call works in terms of like hand and face, but just in terms of more like plastics, do you start taking plastics call as soon as you're on plastics rotations? Do you have buddy system in place? How does that work? You start taking call your intern year, but it's a buddy system. So we've actually, now that we have all six for the incoming uh, interns and for Emily, who was our current intern and onwards, Everybody's going to take a buddy call PGY one and two year, especially on face and hand nights. On plastics night, I think we're going to pretty much allow the one and two to take their own call on plastics only nights sometime in the middle of the first year. I think in December essentially is when Emily's going to start taking plastics only call by herself, but she'll still always have backup for face and hand nights. And so the five and six will always back her up. And then it tends to be like Q4, Q5 call, though. So it it actually is pretty reasonable. And like towards the end of two and onwards, you're going to be on your own. And you always have the attending. Our attendings are so approachable. Sometimes if, you know, you're attending that's actually on call, sometimes if they didn't pick up and you're like super concerned. There have been times where attending that wasn't even on call would pick up the phone and be like, oh, I'm coming to the hospital. Just hang on a second. You'll always have backup and you're never feeling like you're stranded, even if, yeah. as a junior resident. Paulina and Tarek last year, I know, made like an intern survival guide, which has been really good. I think Emily like would look at that. And so every year we'll obviously adapt that. And so you're not just thrown into the wolves. Part of the experience and getting to know the residents and even working together rotations early on is learning those basic floor skills and how to triage appropriately. And also, I think the nice part is because our tanks are approachable, there's never a time when you shouldn't call. If you don't know, you should just call the attending and they're more than happy to answer. And our attendings know that. When I was an intern, I would take call with an attending and I would ask them arguably now silly questions. But back then, you don't have a chief to talk to. We're like on average taking a lot of call. And so they're very approachable even now. And it's just nice. Like I like the buddy system a lot, honestly. The buddy system has been very great, especially on hand call when you're doing reductions and having your teeth come in and 
help you pull on this arm and yank on it. It's been great because our chiefs are people who like to teach a lot too. So we always have a, basically he'll make me come up with my own plan first. Be like, okay, this is what I would do and why. And then after we did everything, he'll have a debrief session at the end with me too. So it's always very structured learning, even on call. Chiefs, like, even if we're there at 2 a.m., Riley was always great about making a very structured learning experience for me for every console we saw. And it's home call? Yes. And it's home call, yes. Are there any kind of things like, if you have a really bad call night, people let you sleep in a little bit? Or like, how does your program manage that? So our attendings are pretty strict about that, actually. Like now that we especially have a full complement of things. Like, so our attendings will say, all right, if you're on a different service or if you're on plastics, wrap up your, do the appropriate checkout and then go home. There's no reason that we should be over duty hours, especially because we have multiple residents on service. And we also have two mid-level providers as well to help wrap things up and sweep things. Like you'll literally get kicked out of the OR if they know you were here all night. They're pretty good about that. They're like, you were here all night. This is not like you're, it's okay for you to go home. Please go home. Yeah. It's not safe for you too. And then they recognize that and they care about your well-being. They're very good about saying, go home. We just have a couple more about resident lifestyle. So do most residents own or rent? Um, um, only He's the only one that rents. I rent. Does everybody mostly live in like more houses versus apartments? Everybody has a house. He's the only one that has an apartment. <laughs> Atark has a condo. How far do you live from your sites? So we have five to 30 minutes away because Riley and Aziz have bigger families they want like the big suburban space basically i live 20 minutes away too because i just i wanted a house with a yard for my dog as well it's pretty short actually considering we drive in early in the morning so it actually ends up being like maybe 10 15 minutes and not 20 we say traffic by throwing quotations as well (laughs) it's not like chicago traffic you know you mentioned a couple of residents are married a couple of residents have kids correct Mm -hmm. yes yep how has the program like supported residents that are either already have kids or are starting a family? So when residents are starting a family, what happens is some of the residents will take extra call shifts and also the attendings will take call. That way we'll all work and share the load. So they're really proactive about having a family like Dr. Chen, Dr. Gilstrap. They have young kids. And so they are very good about making sure that you're efficient and also getting home on time to pick them up from daycare. It's really nice. I think like we get six weeks of maternity and paternity leave here. Mm-hmm. I think that's like the from the GME. I may be wrong on that, but you do get some time. But either way, even if it's not official, like the program will step up to take care of you. The attendings taking call for, for us when that happens so that the residents don't get overwhelmed with call because we're only six people is really nice too. Is it necessary to have a car? It's yes. just like a nice little suburb. It's not a super walkable city. There are nice walking paths, but like you have to drive. And what do you like about living in Columbia? Super cheap. And that's why everybody owns something because I'm only paying like, what, 800 for my mortgage. And I have a three-bedroom, two-bath house with a yard and a garage. So that's pretty dang nice. 
And there's a lot of stuff to do, surprisingly. I, I know not a lot of people think about that when it comes to Columbia, but we have so many state parks around here. So if you like hiking, mm-hmm. outdoorsy stuff, there's a Columbia Zoo. And then there's so many breweries yeah. um, around here as well. They have a lot of coffee shops, too. And uh, then you're very close to other cool cities, too. You're only an hour and a half from Charlotte. You're an hour and a half from Charleston, so the beaches. And then if you want to go to Asheville, it's only two hours from there, too. Atlanta is like three and a half hours away from here as well. Yeah. So it's pretty easy. If you like concerts, a lot of people will come here. My intern here, Pitbull and Enrique, came. I regret not going to that concert. <laughs> Obviously, USC is big. Oh, yeah, college big. town. It's a college town, and the sports program here is fantastic. So if you're super oh, into yeah. doing that stuff. There's plenty of that football games, basketball games. This was pretty much everything I wanted to talk about today. Any final thoughts either on your program or the process of choosing a residency? In general, we all feel very blessed and lucky to be where um, at, mainly because uh, the group of residents we have are so wonderful in addition to our faculty. We really couldn't ask for better faculty members who are each it's hard to even pick a favorite i think every yeah. single person has a different favorite because they're also great in in general just advice for someone picking a program just honestly when you're interviewing just be completely yourself because you want to pick a program that fits well for you and it's you don't want to pick a place that you are uh, necessarily just pretending to fit in because it's 6 years long and you want to you want the best for yourself too it's not just about us picking you. It's also you picking the program. So be yourself and be honest with what you want out of a program. How could interested students find out more about your program? We do have a website that if you just basically Google University of South Carolina Plastic Surgery, you can easily find our site. And we also have an Instagram page. And our handle is U of FC underscore prisma underscore plastic underscore surgery thank you both so much for spending the time to talk with me today thank you thank you for listening to the doctority plastic surgery podcast never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast service and following us on instagram and twitter for more podcast episodes and residency information check out our website, doctority.co. That's doctority.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions or suggestions. See you next time.